0: You're at your old trusty boat, you call Mighty Sparrow, I'm in the city of Mardi Gras. Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning and happy weekend to everybody out there. Oh, it always feels good to be able to wake up on a Saturday morning and if it's 5.30 a.m., have the choice, the option (laughs) to roll back over and catch a few more hours or get up and be productive. And uh, there was this quote that I had heard. I don't know where it had to have been coming from the Internet somewhere, but it was... uh, Along the lines of, don't use the weekends to escape your reality. <clears throat> use your weekends to create the reality that you're looking for. And I know I've butchered that, and I don't know who said it, but it does give you food for thought when you know all that's on your mind is cracking brews and, and, uh, and watching movies or something like that. Because you had kind of a, a long, uh, arduous work week but i do know that uh when i do go into those sort of modes on the weekend i i never uh come come sunday evening or monday morning i don't really feel like i've taken advantage of my time all that much let's just say that um you know there's just a the natural sort of depression i guess from being slothy and obviously the after effects of imbibing a little too much alcohol so i took it easy last night uh i think i was in bed by (laughs) 10 o'clock on a friday night it's pretty lame but i'm an old man come on i did my days of partying and gathering the troops and running up to the oh to the bond which was a great little little spot up in the bvi man oh man if you've ever been to Virgin Gorda in the British Virgin Islands, you go up to North Sound and you take your dinghy over to Gun Creek and then you catch a ride with somebody uh, up the hill and it's only a mile away but there is a place and the place is like heaven on earth. There used to be pre-Irma and now I'm pretty sure everything's rebuilt up there but there used to be a place where you would crest the top of that hill, and uh, the first bar was Elmo's. And Elmo, unfortunately, has he passed on uh, quite a few years ago. But he was a legend, absolute legend. He used to, I used to pass by there all the time in the beginning, and it, it seemed like it was always just old Elmo in there. And and then. I started stopping in, and I would run up that hill, and I would stop in and have water and then beers. And then I remember Elmo and I got to know each other, and uh, he, he just, I don't know, just this old, you know, he had these great stories about living on Virgin Gorda before there was electricity. And, you know, when they were kids, they would go out the only nights that they were up really late were were nights when it was like a full moon and stuff and the kids would run wild and i just tried to picture that you know the heat the palm trees you get you get all this beautiful moonlight and you know living without electricity it just it boggles my mind cuz i've never had to do it uh outside of i suppose outside of on the appalachian trail uh but even that gets interrupted now and again but in any event uh so Elmo and I, and I, I remember eventually we had this beautiful old, like super oversized uh, book atlas showed all the satellite imagery and all the proper uh, maps of the world and countries and all that. And I, I gave it to him up there and, and we kept it right there at the bar. and We used to just crack that sucker open and talk about all these different places this big world has. And he had been to a few, but not not that many um but he was just the greatest greatest bartender owner of that little establishment and the view from this place was literally a billion dollar view it looked over you could see richard branson's island you could see larry page's island like it was just oh it was absolutely breathtaking and i can remember plenty of times sitting in there right at that huge window having a schaefer the beer you drink when you're drinking more than one and uh they cost $1 back then. Oh, and we'd just sit and chat and look at that moon come up over Bitter End. Oh, boy. Those were some good memories. But anyway, then you'd, you'd crack a beer there, and then you'd head over. And uh, typically, if Suggies was open, which was right across the street, you'd go there and maybe have a beer because you got to sort of spread the wealth. And uh, And then you walk up, and typically at that point, you're going to go see Gunny up at Gunny's Bar and maybe get some fried chicken and <laughs> see Selma. And, oh, man, and that was a place where I, I ended up behind the bar all the time helping and and just serving drinks and running tabs and uh, getting into a little trouble here and there. But, boy, it was, it was an absolute blast. And uh, once you finish there, you go get yourself a little snack down there uh, right across the street from that bar. I forget what they called it after after it changed hands and actually turned into where you could you could go and get rotis and food and stuff like that but um so there's that one and then you could kick from that one straight over to butterfly which was uh another (laughs) little bar and they had pool tables and then uh and, and this is all literally uh 50 to 100 feet away from each other uh just road going right down the middle, people speeding by. Us sitting out on the uh the rock wall and stuff and then typically would end the night over at Leroy's, which was the tiniest of the establishments, but one of my favorite for sure. And a lot of times Leroy would actually if he knew I was coming up there with a bunch of people, he would uh he'd hand me a a shoebox that had a couple of ones and a couple of fives and uh and he would just give me the keys to the bar. And boom, we'd open up, we'd jam some tunes. His house was right next to it, and uh, he'd he'd let me run the establishment uh, for the night. And those were always just so much fun because you knew you, if he was going to open, he might only have one or two customers, and uh, if we could, if we could get people excited about it, we'd pack his little place for the night, and uh, then I. would Leave his little shoebox full of cash, and uh, I know that that sort of that sort of thing can make a pretty big difference. And and most of these guys also worked over at uh, the bitter end as well, so they all had multiple jobs and just great fun. Oh, good people, and oh, holy cow, it's hard to be away from all that. But I I do I do try and always just think that. Boy I sure was lucky to have been able to enjoy that for 10 years of my life and uh, at a time in my life where I could handle doing that sort of stuff because boy the the beers were a flowing if you know what I mean the rum and cokes all that sort of stuff and uh, you know it's a young man's game you can handle it when you're doing that and then cuz typically we'd do a big night up there and then straight away I'm, I'm at work the next morning, you know, I'm running the hill or doing a hike at 6am and then uh, straight into water sports. Hmm. But it is, you know, there's, there's, um, always going to be part of me that, that wishes I could go right back there. But I also know that, that, uh, you know, I'm not that same person anymore. And, uh, I think I think sometimes knowing that that as you change sort of some of the things because it's it's real easy to think, boy, I just want to go relive those glory years. But they're never gonna be the same. It never will. And uh I I've always been afraid of sort of tainting the memories by trying to recreate some of them. And when you uh when you have these these perfect memories I don't know. I I feel like uh, they should be cherished and and thought of and pondered over, but uh, never, never try and replicate them, you know, because you're a different person, like I said, but uh, I don't know. I think that, that, that sort of thinking can transfer over to many walks of life, you know, even, even relationships and things like that that go sour and, you know, you end up you end up breaking up with somebody or something like that and uh and it's easy to dwell on how much you might miss that person and wish that it was still together but i you know it doesn't it make a whole lot more sense for just mental wellness to essentially just try and and be glad that you were able to experience and spend that time with those people and then you know and and just be glad you got to do that and rather than dwell on the fact that you don't have it anymore. I don't know i I think I think when you dwell on that stuff, you end up uh sort of missing out on what's what could be right in front of you and uh and just the fact that at that moment you could either be the person that's sitting there and sad and da, 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 or somebody who's got this wonderful epic memory of a time before uh, when life was so amazing and all that and your love struck do <laughs> I don't know who knows who knows? I guess I I'm subconsciously leading back into a email that I received where uh, the person was asking about uh, and I, I really should get the name here let's get the name I like to uh, I like to give out the shout outs because you know people seem to really enjoy that <clears throat> but uh, oh, do this one came from uh, David and he was actually looking he, he he sort of mentioned that you know sometimes when when people do some of these trips and sailors and you go out to sea and there's that old cliche of sort of having to leave leave the girl or the guy behind when you take off, which is true because uh, especially if you're a solo sailor, you know, the, you can you can look back in the, uh, the history books and I, I think probably the most prevalent and well-known example of, of that sort of thing would be Bernard Montessier when, when he was doing the Round the World, the Golden Globe race and, uh, you know, decided to keep going. You know, not only had he left his wife and, and children to do the race, which everybody was estimating was going to take, you know, six to nine months. He, he, you know, gets around Cape Horn, starts heading north, and then decides he's not going to do it. So he shoots a little message over to, which <laughs> he shoots a message over to a, a shipping uh, a container ship or a tanker. Uh, and the way he used to do that is pretty amazing. A slingshot and... Uh, film canister with notes in it i mean jeez holy cow but it did get him in trouble on the outward bound section when he was close to cape of good hope that uh he got in the wind shadow of a, a big tanker and ended up bumping into it and bending his bowsprit and all that sort of stuff it almost ended that race for him so i think he was taking a little more caution after that but it's uh Yeah, he basically said, uh, I'm gonna continue on, so I'm not coming home right now. And that, I can only imagine what sort of shock that was, uh, to get a note like that. But I, I have seen interview clips with his, his wife at the time, and she even admits that, you know, he's a sailor, and sailors are sort of a different breed, and they, you know, they do something, they're gonna do it, and, um. so I think she didn't have any misconceptions but I don't know I me personally I I know I know the feeling when you've got this idea in your head that you want to go and do some sort of trip or some sort of adventure and then you also have a significant other in your life and it's. It, I've always felt, especially with the danger level of some of the stuff that I've done. It's not really fair to put somebody through that because you know those those people that that sort of love you and everything, and and you go out and do these things, and a lot of them are actually pretty worried about you the whole time, and their stress levels up and all that. And I don't know. I mean, I I already obviously put my family through that sort of stuff wherever i go out to see but it is uh luckily they're pretty respectful of it because they know it's it's something that i for some reason have to do Uh, but i have on the appalachian trail i know i was in like a pretty long two or three year relationship before i took off to go and do that and uh because again, it's such an extended, uh, sort of adventure. I ended up having to quit my job and all that and, uh, actually move from one country to another. And yeah, I ended up sort of ending that relationship. And, uh, in, I don't know, it's sort of weird. You would think like, why, why would you ever do that? But I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going after that, how it was all going to work because I had to quit my job and everything. And I don't know. I think at that point in my life, it just wasn't um, wasn't really, I didn't have my brain put together very well. You know, I was in my, I guess, early 30s or something like that. And in my life, in my experience, you don't know shit <laughs> until you probably hit about 40. Somebody once told me that you don't really start to realize stuff until stuff starts getting taken away from you. And uh, that usually does start. In your late thirties, early forties, I guess. Luckily, not too much has been taken away from old J Rome just yet. But I am, you know, I do feel my age for sure. I guess, I guess, I feel my age more when, when I'm not so, so good to my body as far as what I eat and what I do to it. Um, you know, you just don't uh, bounce back from it as much. But sorry, going into the weeds. Jeez, I, I could. I'm like an octopus of ideas. Tentacles everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's pretty tough. And then obviously when I took off, I, I can remember... I got this picture in my head of uh, just before I took off to do the month-long test voyage out into the ocean... I had been seeing a girl for a couple of years and uh I remember we were hanging out and she was very upset that I had to take off and you know be gone for a month before before coming back and then and I think she was going to be gone by the time I got back so it was sort of our last uh our last time together but uh yeah it's hard it's it's definitely hard to let go of a relationship in uh, in the context of you're trying to go out and do this, this big adventure. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's this strange thing. Cause it's, I figure it's, you're sort of hanging You've got two, two different things because you know, you look at your options. So it's, you're, you're sitting there and you, for some reason have this urge and this desire to go and do this trip, let's say you sail, sail around the world. And you've also have this, this relationship that you've been in and you want to, that should be pretty much one of the top priorities, uh, because you know, it's, it's another person and it's somebody that you're trying to share, you know, life with. Unfortunately, your, your adventure just deems that it's going to be just you. Um, cause I didn't, It wasn't even a thought that I would actually take another person with me. The goal, part of it, was to do everything solo. But I don't know. What's better? Is it better to sort of postpone the idea and be like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to go on the adventure, and then for the rest of your life you think about it and wonder about it and regret and all that? Or do you put that above it and, uh, go for the adventure and sort of let, let the other things fall apart. I don't know. It's, it's one of those decisions. And I, I, for me, a big part of it has always been that, uh, I want as few regrets as, as possible. And I, I don't want when I'm an old, old man, I don't want to sit back and think, holy cow, you know, I always wanted to do that, and I never even tried it. To me, that, that is uh, the absolute opposite of, of what you would call a successful life, is having, having those, those sort of thoughts later on. and I don't know. I, I think I've, I've done a decent job of, uh, of trying to not... Build up that scenario. I think everybody's going to have that towards the end, in some, in some fashion. Uh, there's always going to be some things, or, or like, oh, well, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's so much. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that because you can think about that in a million different frames, you know, uh, throughout your life. But I think it's more of, I wanted to do something and I never actually even attempted it. I just time caught up with me sort of thing and that's that's one where I definitely don't that's one I fear. I definitely fear that. So ah deep deep thoughts for a Saturday morning. This is pretty crazy. But yeah, I don't know. Um I've I know quite a lot of couples that are out and they sail and they travel together and they you know, they're peas in a pod, you know. What what could be better? If you have a great relationship and the both of you live on a boat and you adventure, whether it's the Caribbean, the East Coast, all over the world, doesn't really matter. I mean, you couldn't think of a better captain and first mate sort of scenario than being on a boat because you're you're both being able to share this, this passion. And I, though I can't speak for... I don't know of any <clears throat> people that have actually met via via sailing, via adventuring, and uh, ended up linking together and and sort of creating something out of that. I'm sure it's happened. It must have. In my experience, it's uh, hasn't really happened in in any sort of uh, way, shape, or form. But I do know of plenty of couples that that sort of tag team their way through this sailing world and their adventures and everything. And I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it it really, it really does speak to uh, that whole romantic notion of sailing off into the sunset and uh, having, having a significant other right there with you to enjoy. And I think that's one of the big drawbacks that solo sailing uh, provides is that when, when the scene is more spectacular than anything you've ever been through, it's only you and you alone who get to enjoy it, no matter how much you want to share it with somebody. But there's also some to be said for the fact that uh, you are fully immersed in it because you're not distracted by anything else. And I I don't, definitely don't want to seem like uh, I'm thinking that other people are just a distraction because they're not. I think they add to life. They definitely do. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, with the whole the whole I've 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 always had to wrestle with that idea of being in a relationship and then also having these itchy feet that gotta get out and see the world and do all this stuff. I mean, I hmm I don't know. I've often thought that uh if I had a bigger boat, I'd probably have somebody with me and uh Probably go cruise down to the Caribbean or such. But Sparrow is just a teeny, teeny bit too small. And I think not only that, because you you definitely could have two people, and many, many people have done that. But I think uh, for me personally, because I've spent so much time alone on this boat, that when I do have others on, there is sort of this invasion feeling. And I I remember when I was reading Motissier's book, his first book, Sailing to the Reefs, I think he's doing one quick passage in the Caribbean from, I don't know, Antigua or Martinique down to uh, St. Vincent or something. And uh, he invites somebody to come with him and within hours or something like that, he's, he's like, who this, there's an alien invader on my boat. He can barely handle it, which I I definitely empathize with. Cause it's, I don't know, you, you create such a personal connection between yourself and essentially this, this working sort of machine. Not that I would ever refer to my boat as a machine. I, I really do. Uh, I don't know. I believe that, uh, a sailboat is in its own way a little bit of a life form and when you're alone on it it really does uh i don't know it takes on this this feeling of of something that that is trying to take care of you trying to teach you things and uh i don't know for some reason it's always i've i've yeah, I would never, I would never refer to Sparrow as a thing, uh, for sure. It's, uh, it's part of me. It's been my partner for a long time. I'm married to Sparrow. <laughs> That'd be a strange, uh, strange relationship, that's for sure. But I don't know if I was going to think about a per- a perfect sort of scenario. I think it would be unbelievable and holy. Uh, awesome to go and take off from the west coast and go through the south pacific and do that with a significant other i think that would be a blast go and just spend years cutting through the uh all the islands and the countries and all that sort of stuff i think that would be a blast and share it with somebody uh, but I also know it's a challenge too. There's uh, there's a lot that, that goes on there when you're sharing it because it's not all about you. And maybe that's maybe that's my downfalls. I'm just a selfish bastard. <laughs> I always want to just do what I want to do and not have to consider others. But I don't know. I don't think that's 100% right. I think uh, at least in my younger years, I was too much of a romantic for that sort of thing to actually be possible. Cause I think when you're, when you're really like a, a romantic type person, uh, you put so much thought and stuff into, into doing things and, and what the other person, how you can make the other person happy and everything that I think it just sort of proves that you are a, a giving sort of person. And I don't know who knows. I haven't thought about this sort of stuff in so long. I, it's just, uh, Oh man, it's been it's, it's definitely been a a while. My lifestyle and my life choices over the last five years have lent to uh to a bit of a lonely lonelier places, but at the same time my previous ten, twenty years was very out there. And actually I mean I'm reading um a great book called Quiet and boy who is it who's that by i this thing is it's got me hooked in for sure very interesting um and it's all about being an introvert and all that sort of stuff susan kane uh yeah quiet the power of introverts in a world that let's see oh man doesn't want to show me the whole title but in any event uh yeah just uh there are people that, that would rather just always sort of, if they could, they prefer to be by themselves. And if uh, if not, then they sort of have to force themselves in these other positions. But then there's people who do both, who are gregarious and they're shy and, and reclusive. And I think, I don't know, I, I've always sort of gone both ways when it comes to that. And sometimes I have to be the guy who's just, and I, and I enjoy it. It's not like I'm being forced to, but I'm trying to gather the troops, get the biggest party going, have as much fun as possible, and keep that going for a long time. And then, you know, I, a week later, I can be in the mode of all I want to do is be by myself. I uh, don't want to see anybody and, you know, go to a beach somewhere and just spend the whole night there i don't know i i go back and forth oh but it's uh i don't know it's it's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool that's a great great definition of that (laughs) no it's actually pretty strange because sometimes i don't know which way which way i'm going to feel but uh it is kind of interesting uh I guess I'm just gonna have to keep reading that book and see what sort of insight it is pretty amazing that the insight that you can get when you when you read these type of books about you know the human mind and the human personality and all that. I don't know, even if you just pick up one or two things and say, Oh you know that really relates to me it It can be like a whoosh sort of moment where. You're like, oh my gosh, that's why. Because one of, one of the things they talk about in this book is that uh, most people will, if if you listen to like happy upbeat music, you might listen to it ever so often. If you listen to sad music, you're gonna probably listen to those sad songs ten times more than you would the happy stuff, uh, which is pretty interesting. Because I know when I'm out at sea. I would say the vast majority of my playlist is is probably more, not melancholy music, but you know, not uh, not not party in the USA, <laughs> uh, so I don't know, and that's, you know, when I'm alone out there at sea, that's sort of the stuff that I listen to, but at the same time, I don't know, throw some bangers in there too, I don't know, it's kind of strange. Uh, so what to do with the rest of my Saturday? Oh, I guess I should wrap up the whole the whole love thing. I yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I had some crazy romantic story to tell about uh, you know sailing into an island and and finding the girl of my dreams and then sailing away with her. But I unfortunately don't. I wish I did, but uh, it's just not. Not in the books. Uh, the closest thing I could say is is just taking off and moving to the BVI and and enjoying my time down there and and hanging out with a few very wonderful ladies uh, over nine ten years of being down there. It is it is hard to sort of end those relationships though. You know that's the only thing you look back and you wonder. Well, I wonder what would have happened if I wouldn't have gone and I would have. But, again, that's that whole, like, you know, changed history sort of thing. So I don't think that ever really helps because hindsight is a different uh, vantage point completely. But who knows? Uh, That's kind of the cool part. I still have the boat, and I'm probably going to sail into some new places. And you never know what's going to happen and who you're going to meet and all that sort of stuff. But... We'll have to see. I think a lot of it too has to do with my age, though. As you get older, it's uh, a little different; changes you up a bit. And uh, I don't know. I hate to even think that way because I, I do, I do believe that uh, there's people of all ages, and you can still have all those those same romantic, uh, romantic incidences. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word who knows oh man! I feel like I'm like babbling on here definitely am babbling on mm but interesting, interesting query, and i I do hope that um hope that David finds the people that he's looking for, and uh you know, I do think that that is sort of part of the goal with the whole sailboat is. Get that boat, and then you find that person, and then you sail off into the horizon. Live happily ever after. That would be pretty nice. Pretty nice. And we are back. A little technical difficulty there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, As far as some of the other stuff that uh, we've got going here, we did get an email about insurance. Ooh, sticky situation that is. I've uh, I've been dancing around that one for a long, long time and it's not a good thing that's for sure. Um, I don't know it's I, basically I got a message from Brandon and he was talking about he and his wife are going to uh, be sailing off into the Caribbean and uh, one of the things that they're trying to do is, is find some sort of medical insurance just in case which is smart and uh, it's one of those things where the only time I've ever had any sort of healthcare insurance or anything like that was when I was actually living in the, a different country because it it was sort of a, a nationwide thing and um, <clears throat> yeah it just allowed me to go into the doctor whenever I needed to and it didn't if it did cost something, it was literally just a couple dollars. And I did find even before I had that, or when I didn't have that, it was it was never very expensive to go in, to uh into like a, a hospital or something like that. It really, I don't know, but I do know that here in the states it's a little bit different. Uh, but I've never personally, I've never been able to afford any sort of health care. I looked into it once I hit, uh, I don't know, my late thirties, early forties. That was the time where I started thinking like, geez, if something does happen, uh, I'm going to go bankrupt completely and lose everything if, if something happens. I don't know. I, I've heard that before where, you know, most Americans are only one hospital away from bankruptcy, and that's kind of sucks, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always been too expensive, and uh, the jobs that I do and have done for a long time, uh, essentially, it's it's me trying to create my own thing, whether it was doing the presentations and all the stuff with the book or like this podcast, uh, all these sort of things where I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any real financial financially viable way for somebody who's trying to start out doing this stuff where the income isn't really there for them to be sort of covered. Uh, But I do know there are things like travel insurance uh, out there, and the closest thing I've ever had was uh, search and rescue insurance policy uh, that I took out when I was going to head up to the Northwest Passage, and that was because they required it. The the government up there said, you know, you've got to have such and such and such and such, and I had like a million dollar search and rescue policy so that if things went really pear-shaped, I'd I'd be able to get a little uh, helicopter evac sort of thing, get me out of there. So that was was about the closest thing, and that wasn't all that expensive. I was able to do that through my subscription with Garmin InReach. I don't know if that's still an available option, but uh, it was back then, and it just tacked on. Ah, I can't remember how much it was. I wish I could. Uh, It was so long ago now, but most of the I have heard there are countries, uh, especially in the South Pacific, I believe that you have to you have to prove you have some sort of health insurance, or you have to produce like bank statements or something that says you have a certain amount of money in the bank. Because if something does happen, you know, hospitals, I think, pretty much around the world, won't nobody's going to kick you out if you come in there with a, a broken arm or. Having a heart attack, they're gonna they're gonna fix you up, and I've heard from healthcare officials here in the states that are that know that a lot of the people that come in aren't gonna be able to ever pay their bill, and uh, so they just sort of write it off or whatever. I don't I don't know. I can't speak factually about any of that stuff really, because uh, I luckily haven't had much experience with it, and anytime I have had to go in for any sort of checkups and things like that. I've always just paid right out of pocket. And luckily, you know, I haven't had to knock on wood, uh go in there for anything anything crucial, even even something as uh as small I guess as getting real sick, getting like pneumonia or a really bad flu where you actually have to go and see a doctor. So I don't know. I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, you'd be able to get healthcare affordably, you know. I don't know. I it's it's something I have thought about quite a bit of and I think a lot of people do. You know, it's a good conversation to have of spitballing ideas to come up with a nice and reasonable and uh I don't know, just a better healthcare sort of system for everybody but it is also there's it's it's kind of tricky too because if you're if you really want to have a justified sort of healthcare system you also have to sort of take care of yourself as well there has to be a little bit of i don't know um if you if you want to have cheap healthcare you sort of almost need to be able to say well this is this is how I try and take care of the body that I have and, uh, and not, not just be a walking ticking time bomb and still be able to just get, you know, it, I don't know. It's, it's hard cause it's controversial and I know everybody's got all sorts of different ideas and thoughts on it. And, and obviously the system is, the system is pretty messed up as is there's, there's just so many players in it and it, anything that gets into the whole money situation uh becomes corruptible and and then becomes corrupted essentially i don't i don't know if any anything has ever not gone that way uh but i don't know ideally yeah it sure would be sure would be nice to be able to uh fork out a little bit of cash each month just to just to make sure you're a little bit protected and uh and all that but you know with boats too as as a solo sailor when i when i head offshore there there isn't really much uh i could do i you know i don't have my appendix out or anything like that i know that was a bit of a worry and i've i i've, I've had a few little ailments out at sea but nothing ever really really bad and i couldn't imagine what it would be like to have to perform like self surgery but that's one of the risks you take when you do these solo voyages is that you know you might be out in the middle of the ocean, and if you slice open your your arm or your hand or something like that, you might have to stitch it right up because no one's coming out there and I think that's part of the adventure as well, knowing that that's there, but I don't know for some reason that the the picture of Tom Hanks with an ice skate in his mouth and pulling that tooth, oh, that image is just in my head right now. Of, you know, sometimes you just gotta do what you got to do uh, because when you're when you're not feeling good uh, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, cuz I I think the the most pertinent time that it ever really hit me that I was 100% like everything, health food, all that stuff was up to me and there was absolutely no one that was going to be able to come and help was pretty much halfway across the Pacific and heading towards Cape Horn. And yeah, anything, anything, absolutely anything that happened to me at that point, I had to undo or fix or deal with because there's, I, that's the one time I felt like, man, I am 100% isolated. I'm the loneliest human on the planet right now, sort of thing. I don't know. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear from other people, you know, hit us up on the, the, uh, Head over to sailingintooblivion.com. You can contact me directly. That's one thing I'm definitely going to do today. Uh, after I eat some breakfast here, I am going to set up and, oh, man, I they always say that setting up these websites and stuff uh, using like Squarespace and blah, 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 It they always say that it's really easy, but, man, I do not have an easy time with it at all. And I know it's it's probably just because I don't. Put enough effort into it or whatever, but I'm going to give it the old college try today because I'd really like that website. I uh, I don't know. I I almost want to just make that opening page more just all about the podcast and how you can contact us and stuff because I don't know. Still still not really doing much in the in the presentation world uh, anymore, so I don't know. But in any event, yeah, I I'll, I'm going to work on that because I'd love it if uh, if people could just hit right in there and then boom, they could throw out a quick message or an email or whatever. And they, you know, you can, but it's just not focused on that. But I'd love to hear from any listeners that have experience and any stories about, uh, insurance and what their, uh, what they do and how their coverage is. And, and I guess, I guess really how much it costs. That's the big part really. Cause sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. And that, you know, the worst part about it, I think, really, is is that uh, if something were to befall you, you know, cancer, something really, really bad that it was going to cost you an arm and a leg if you don't have insurance to deal with, and it's well beyond your means, like well beyond, like you're looking at a lifetime of debt afterwards, I don't know, what do you even do? Do you just... Uh, I, who knows, who knows? Part, part of me, and I'm going to be real honest here. Part of me has always sort of thought, well, you know, something like that happens. I guess I set sail on my final voyage, uh, because the last thing I want is, is, you know, family and stuff like that to have to give up what they have just to be able to fix something that went wrong with me. I can't even imagine that, how, how, guilty and horrible i would feel um but and then there's also on the other side it's only money and uh, but yeah i don't know it's a crazy topic to think of those are those are like major life things and and it's only something that you can talk about so so lightly because nothing's happened yet yet yeah. and not to sound morbid but eventually something will happen (laughs) it's like a guarantee because we're all gonna die (laughs) no i've had a twist around that and we're not we're not going into our saturday in a, a morbid sort of uh sort of realm let's let's uh for the last little bit of this this uh this subject out oh let's let's talk about a west sail adventure that I definitely need to do more research on before I can actually put together one of the new series of the uh, sailing story little guys. But I want to get to the bottom of what the whole story is with West Sail Satori, the one that was in The Perfect Storm. Uh, I have, obviously, most people have seen the movie uh, The Perfect Storm and. You know the the captain in that in that uh, is portrayed sort of like uh, I don't know kind of a cocky, dim witted I don't know just uh, and just a weak person I guess. Um, and I know in the book it's almost even a little bit worse. Uh, they talk about him taking nips off of a bottle and all this sort of stuff. But I've also read accounts that talk about. His, uh, he, he was like a full on, like all the safety stuff and really just a, a really good qualified experienced captain. And the boat was well-founded. Obviously it must've been because it made it through there even after they got taken off of the boat. Um, and I've seen the footage, you know, You, you can see they're, they're in pretty hectic conditions. They've got just the storm jib up. And the boat's still going, but then there's this confusing... And I guess just just to the timeline. So a guy takes on two new crew that he doesn't really know. And they're sailing uh, out to Bermuda. And I believe it's in... Yeah, it's in October because it was sort of the Halloween gale, I believe. In any event, um, Hurricane Grace was still coming up. And I think it had kind of it was just in the remnant stage uh but you know these three sort of systems come together they do the perfect storm and these guys are caught out you know southeast of like nantucket or whatever and uh, essentially mayday gets thrown out from their boat whether it's from the captain or one of these crew members and coast guard picks it up they come out to do the rescue and then the captain doesn't want to get off of the boat because the boat's his home but the crew members do, and the Coast Guard's like, well, we don't play that game. And they called Eminent Domain, or no, Manifestly Unsafe Voyage, which means they can pull you right off your boat no matter whether you like it or not. They yank all three off after first attempting, which this doesn't make sense in my mind because I've seen the footage. They attempted to go and launch basically a uh, inflatable a powerboat with a bunch of guys on it, zoom over to go and try and pull the people off of this boat in pretty ugly seas, breaking waves and all that sort of stuff. And the Satori, the sail, gets picked up by a wave and dropped right onto the inflatable. It pops the inflatable, and now they've got to go rescue those guys. And then eventually, you know, they go and get them with the helicopter and stuff. But it's, it's like, what?! trying to, I, you could just be in like five foot seas, and I couldn't imagine trying to have another boat pull up alongside of Sparrow and, and transfer anybody onto the boat or anybody off of the boat. It'd be ridiculous. I don't know. Uh, but then, you know, they get pulled off and the boat's just sort of left. It's all lashed up and buttoned down and, and then they start searching for it. Uh, within a few days, they can't find it. I guess it's been sighted here and there. And then uh, eventually it, it winds up on the coast somewhere, I believe, in New Jersey on a beach. Still got the mast, you know, the sails torn to torn to shreds, but the rudder's there, all that sort of stuff. So it made it, and they towed it off of there, and I believe it still lives on today. But again, it's one of those things where I need to research because I, I don't know. I, I I don't understand why there's conflicting uh viewpoints or not 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 really facts I guess but it's an interesting story and you know to me also if if there's the remnants of this hurricane out there why would you set sail for Bermuda? Um I don't know there's is questionable things all around on that one. And you know who knows because nobody but the three people who are actually on the boat are gonna have any idea. And that would have been probably such an insanely stressful situation, it would be hard to have a clear memory of what went on, even if you were on the boat, uh, especially after all this time. I mean, it was back in the 90s, so I don't know. But I, I think it would be kind of a cool cool thing to sort of research and, and really be able to lay out what they were doing uh what the weather was and sort of all the different accounts of what went on to lead to them having to get off of this boat and all that sort of stuff so hopefully i'll be able to bring that one to you and uh yeah we'll we'll maybe be able to do a little investigating Hmm? a little it's almost like a true crime without any crime really because the only the only crime no well it would have been a crime if the boat sank but uh the boat did not sink which again is pretty much why I ended up with uh, Mighty Sparrow in the first place. I don't know, so that'll be that'll be kind of a cool one, and that's just a little teaser, a little taste of what's to come. But uh, I am pretty excited, and I've gotten a few few good comments on the old YouTube page because I've been uploading just the sailing story parts of uh, of some of these podcasts up on there, and. I don't know it's kind of cool it's it's interesting it's tough to do um because I'm basically trying to do it all in one take because uh, my editing software and these computers are just they're they are falling to pieces here <laughs> they both both computers that I have and one of them went around the world with me all those years ago both of them have are sort of held together with duct tape they work though they just they're you know they're just a little old but um yeah, trying to I trying to edit a bunch of clips together is sort of no go as far as the programs that I have, and so I I pretty much have to do it all in one take, which suits me well because I it it allows me it allows me to sort of uh, I think just do it more naturally and I don't know I don't have the pressure to to get every single word right boom 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 but I've gotten a lot of great comments uh, people sort of supporting the new the new format and and stuff because it's uh, it's just one of those things YouTube, YouTube is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's been kind of fun put just, you know, initially in the beginning, I just put a bunch of clips up cause I'd never really posted anything before, but now I'm, I'm sort of learning about thumbnails and this, that, and the other thing. I've got a cousin of mine who's really good at it and he's sort of helped me out and I'll just try and, and up the content cause you know, YouTube's not in its infancy anymore. And if you, if you want uh, to produce something that people will enjoy, you have to put a, a bit more effort into it than than ten years ago, let's say. And I, I'd like to. It's just learning how to do it, but I'll hopefully keep keep pumping those out. I mean, I have I I couldn't even tell you how many how many stories I want to talk about. I mean, I, I want to go over all the old-time sailors that were big inspirations. You know, Knox, Johnson, Monticelli, Dumas. There's just oh, there's a million of them, and they've all got just such great stories. But I also the series that I really want to do, and this one, this one's gonna take some tinkering. But I do want to go through in probably like a four or five part series my trip around the world uh the only difference with that is being able to add some of these old clips that I have from that from that trip i think that would be pretty cool i just have to be able to figure out how to do it and uh i think the only thing missing after that would be some sort of music but i don't know wait throttle back we need to ease off i'm i am not a movie editor <laughs> I don't even know where you get the music where it's not copyrighted and stuff, but who knows? Maybe we'll figure some of that out. I also, I know I can't make it too complicated because if it gets to be too much, then, uh, I don't know. Like I say, I got a lot of irons in the fire, and uh, the biggest one is the 9 to 5 here at the boatyard that whips me, especially since it's been so freaking hot. Uh, pretty... Pretty oppressive heat the last this last week or two, and by the end of the day, sunburnt, um, exhausted, and it's hard to sit down and want to. Uh, well, no, I want to just keep producing more stuff, but at the same time, sometimes you just gotta like sit there and and just relax, and I don't know, try and balance it out as best I can. But I am. I am sort of in that mode of just producing as much stuff and being as productive as possible. And on that note, Old Sparrow, I ripped those winches off of the mast. There was a huge amount of corrosion underneath them uh, into these aluminum plates. Couldn't even get, I I drilled out some of the bolts and stuff and uh, then ended up just having to take a grinder and grind off a big chunk of the plate We're going to hopefully treat some of that stuff today, and then, if I can, I'd like to cut out this G10 fiberglass composite and uh, make new plates that I'm going to bolt onto the old ones, and then I've got a new winch, and then I've got one of the old winches. Put those back on, mount them. It involves a few things that I've never done. Uh, Threading. I have to thread through some of that stuff, and I don't know exactly how to do that, but I've got some people around here who definitely do, so that's going to help. And then, um, yeah, I ordered another solar panel because I have to pull the whole array down and rewire that and put in the new ones because I got one panel that's gone complete junk. And then the last thing on the big list is going to be I have a bulkhead that the fiberglass that sort of holds it all together has cracked And I don't know if that's from one of the knockdowns or if it's from Wanda or what, but essentially that means I need to pull everything out of this big locker by my nav station, grind all of it down to bare wood and fiberglass, and then glass it. The trouble with that is that it is a messy, messy job. I mean, it involves me basically trying to tape off and plastic off a big section of the boat so that I don't cover everything in here with fiberglass dust. Uh, it's one of those things where the prep work is going to take 90% of the time and the actual job is only going to take 10%, but we're going to have to see. We'll see how that one goes. And uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of my life at this point. And hopefully this weekend I'll be able to get through quite a bit of that and uh, update. I'm going to try, I got some, uh, some comments and people wanted to see some of these, some of these projects and stuff. And I guess I will try again. I'm not promising any, uh, cinematic magic when it comes to that. I just, I would just much rather get on with the job rather than try and, uh, capture it as I'm doing it. Uh, but I will try if people would like to see it, then I will, I'll try my best and, uh, try and get little videos of that and, and what I'm doing out there. So I guess this was a bit of a rambling podcast for episode 99. I am hoping to have a special guest come on for episode 100, but we will see. It is just about time to get back into the interview and conversation side of this podcast has just been really hard. One of the things, honestly, is just the heat the end of the day, down below on Mighty Sparrow, it's about ninety degrees. And when I do this podcast, one of the things you have to do is turn the fans off. And I can I can handle doing that myself if I'm the only one sitting down here and I'm sweating and whatever. But to make somebody else come down here and sit in an airless boat <laughs> when it's ninety degrees is uh torturous. So I think things are gonna start cooling off here pretty quickly. and uh, with any luck, I'll be able to snag some of these uh, these sailors around here and get some new stories and get some uh, good conversations going. and we'll see we'll see how it goes. But other than that, thanks again for listening and uh, thanks to all my Patreon family, which is growing. It grew by two. I can't believe it. You guys are are absolutely phenomenal it uh, it warms my heart to see that people are enjoying the show that much that they want to actually support it like that it's it really is it's phenomenal and it is what keeps uh, keeps the show going and going and going and and it really does it motivates me to just keep putting more and more out and not uh, you know letting a week go by without without doing a show and stuff because it you know It can be easy to fall into that trap. Most podcasts do. Most podcasts don't even make it past like 20 episodes or something. And uh, here we are closing in on 100. I can't believe it. So thanks to everybody out there. If you want to contact the show, sailingintooblivion.com, you can contact me through there. I definitely read those emails. And uh, yeah, enjoy the new YouTube sort of content. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, we will be back on the air soon.